Hello, welcome to this podcast. These are the daily audio devotions from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska, as they are prepared by Pastor Adam Moline. You can check out our church website, goodshepherdlincoln.org, if you want to uh, get more of these particular devotions. They're also available in video format on our YouTube page. Let's get into today's devotion. Hello and welcome to our daily devotion from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm Pastor Adam Moline. Today we're going to continue our look at the life of King David, finding how it is fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Although today we're going to focus very little on King David, actually, but we're going to hear a little bit about his son Absalom. And All of the things that we're going to hear today and in the next few weeks are going to lead up to a conspiracy that Absalom commits against his father, David. The things that we're going to hear ultimately find their fulfillment in Christ as he also is conspired against by Judas, as he also faces a rebellion by Judas Iscariot on Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. And so we'll see all of those things, uh, as well as some other pictures of Christ in the next few weeks. To set that all off, we'll begin with the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 14. This begins right after Absalom returned from exile, but is still banished from the palace in verse 25. Now, in all Israel, there was no one so much to be praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. And when he cut the hair of his head, for at the end of every year he used to cut it, when it was heavy on him, he cut it. He weighed the hair of his head, 200 shekels by the king's weight. There were born to Absalom three sons and one daughter whose name was Tamar. She was a beautiful woman. So Absalom lived two full years in Jerusalem without coming into the king's presence. Then Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but Joab would not come to him. And he sent a second time, but Joab would not come to him. Then he said to his servants, See, Joab's field is next to mine, and he has barley there. Go, set it on fire. So Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab arose and went to Absalom at his house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? Absalom answered Joab, Behold, I sent word to you, come here, that I may send you to the king to ask. Why have I come from Geshur? It would be better for me to be there still. Now, therefore, let me go into the presence of the king, and if there is guilt in me, let him put me to death. Then Joab went to the king and told him, and he summoned Absalom. So he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You see here that Absalom is being kept at arm's length by King David. 
which is wise considering what Absalom had already done. He had committed a crime against the king's son, and if you remember, he also perhaps wanted to put the king himself to death. He invited the king and all of his brothers out to that place where his brother was killed. He's been brought back, but is, in a sense, in home exile. He is unable to see the king. The king is keeping a watchful eye on him. Absalom also is a pretty boy. Uh, No blemish in his body, and in fact, uh, he weighs his hair every year, and the weight comes out to five pounds of hair that he grows every year from his head. This is a sign of his beauty and his power and his selfishness, self-righteousness. Absalom begins to put a plan into place, still, in a sense, to revenge his sister Tamar. We see that she is still in his mind because he has a daughter who he also names Tamar. He calls to Joab, but Joab, as the king's general, has been told to not go see Absalom. He calls again, but Joab still refuses. And then in a shrewd move, Absalom has Joab's fields set on fire. This tells you the kind of person that pretty boy Absalom was. In order to get what he wants, he'll go to any means. Joab comes to Absalom to find out why his field has been set on fire. And in an interesting turn, Joab, as a result of this meeting, talks to the king. Absalom is brought before the king, as Absalom himself says, If there be found any fault in me, let him put me to death. But David doesn't do that. Instead, David pulls his son up and kisses him on the cheek, a sign of absolution, a sign of love. A father kisses his son who has murdered his other son. Friends in Christ, the tables get turned later on in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus, the innocent one, the most beautiful in a theological sense of all humanity, the only begotten Son of God the Father, is there in the garden. And who should come except his own disciple, Judas Iscariot? Judas comes and greets him. Hello, Rabbi and kisses him on the cheek. It's the signal that this one is the one to be killed. This one is the son of David. This one is the one to be arrested and brought before Caiaphas and Ananias. This is the one who they're after. Jesus looks Judas directly in the eye and says, Will you betray me with a kiss? The same symbol that his forefather David used to bring forgiveness to his son Absalom is now the same symbol 
that condemns Jesus, betraying him, handing him over to the cross and to death. Dear friends in Christ, that cross and that death brought you forgiveness of sins. It will not do that for David. It does not do it for Absalom. It will bring chaos, rebellion, and war. But for you, that war has been won by what Christ has accomplished. He was killed on the cross for your sins, and he rose from the dead to forgive you your sins. You are set free. You have eternal life because of Jesus. And what's more, now, the symbol of the kiss has been restored. Perhaps you see it sometimes in the rubrics in the hymnal about the kiss of peace. Christians used to greet each other with the kiss of peace. Not some erotic kiss on the mouth, but instead a kiss on the cheek. A symbol that we all shared together in the forgiveness Christ won. That his betrayal brought about our forgiveness of sins. We still, in a sense, do that when we shake hands and greet one another in the name of the Lord. Along with that kiss in the early church came the Christian greeting. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. It's that work of Jesus that brings us together as the one church of God. It's that work of Jesus that is symbolized in the kiss, not of condemnation, but of peace. It's that same work that allows us to live our lives as Christians, sure and certain of the eternal life that we have in Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen.